Welcome to the Advancing Women Podcast, where ambitious women come together to challenge the status quo, advance their careers, and up-level their lives. The Advancing Women Podcast is hosted by gender equity expert and executive coach, Dr. Kimberly D. Simone. Welcome, warriors, to the Advancing Women Podcast. I was scrolling through my Facebook feed, and I came across a post shared by a former colleague, and he came across this op-ed from a man, a student, by the name of Jared Malden, who is a senior in mechanical engineering. And it really caught my attention, and I thought, yeah, we're going to talk about this on the Advancing Women podcast. So I'm going to start by reading that powerful post. Letter to the editor. To the women in my engineering class. While it is my intention in every other interaction I share with you to treat you as my peer, let me deviate from that to say that you and I are, in fact, unequal. Sure, we are in the same school program, and you are quite possibly getting the same GPA as I, but does that make us equal? I did not, for example, grow up in a world that discouraged me from focusing on hard science. Nor did I live in a society that told me not to get dirty or said I was bossy for exhibiting leadership skills. In grade school, I never had to fear being rejected by my peers because of my interests. I was not bombarded by images and slogans telling me that my true worth was in how I look and that I should abstain from certain activities because I might be thought too masculine. I was not overlooked by teachers who assumed that the reason I did not understand a tough math or science concept was, after all, because of my gender. I have had no difficulty whatsoever with the boys club mentality, and I will not face added scrutiny or remarks of my being the diversity hire when I experience success. The assumption of others will be that I earned it. So you have already conquered far more to be in this field than I ever will. So this profound acknowledgement really means something because gender equity, as I've noted many times, is not an issue for women alone to solve. It's for all of us to acknowledge and solve. And so today I want to chat about what I call the three A's of allyship, acknowledgement, amplification, and action. Allyship must be more than a philosophy or a belief. It is a commitment to action, a commitment to being an agent of change, to rejecting the status quo. It must be a tangible effort to be a part of the solution. The first step, though, is awareness and acknowledgement. You must start to recognize and acknowledge the inequity so that you can then amplify An amplification is when allies bravely and publicly support the work of advancing women and are willing to interrupt the everyday expressions of gender bias that occur. It's about seeing the small biases and microaggressions and calling them out, interrupting that mindset. And this letter to the editor is a great example of acknowledgement and amplification. And another one, one of my favorites, is from the professional American tennis pro, Andy Murray. You may remember that in 2017, Andy Murray lost his quarterfinal matchup at Wimbledon to another American player. And after the match, a reporter commented on the significance of an American advancing in the tournament. The reporter asked if, despite the disappointment of the loss, if Murray was encouraged that in losing the spot to another American, that at least this would be, quote, the first American player to reach the semifinal since 2009, end quote. 
And without missing a beat, Murray replied, male player. Taken aback, the reporter said, I beg your pardon. And Andy said again, male player. Because while some members of the media had forgotten about Venus Williams, who punched her ticket to a semifinal berth the day before, he had not. And he wasn't going to just sit back and let that marginalization happen. And this is that proactivity, that acknowledgement, and that amplification, a calling out of the problem. It is allyship in action. Allyship is about being courageous enough to publicly say things you know might make others uncomfortable. It starts with being an upstander versus a bystander, calling out, amplifying that biased behavior. And of course, if you can squash it or fix it, doing so. A lot of people have a problem with or bristle when they hear the word privilege. And this is in part because it is often distorted or incorrectly used or misinterpreted in terms of what it really means. It's not about whether one group has earned what they have. It's about acknowledging that certain rights and advantages exist that can create, in many cases, additional barriers for some. So here's an example. I am a woman who was born in the United States. As such, it was expected and even protected by law that I be educated. I didn't earn that right. I just won the utero lottery by being born in the United States as it relates to the privilege of education. This is not the case everywhere. Most of us are familiar with Malala's story. As a woman born in Pakistan under the Taliban, she was unable to go to school. And when she spoke out against this publicly on behalf of girls and their right to learn, she became a target. In October 2012, a masked gunman boarded a bus she was on and asked, who is Malala? He then shot her in the head. And she has turned that story of tragedy into a story of strength, power, and perseverance. But it also exemplifies on a very large scale how everyone is not born with the same opportunities necessarily, that there's a privilege in some cases, and how gender and gender socialization are a big part of that. So I have to acknowledge that I have had opportunities that not all women have. That doesn't mean that I don't feel like I've earned my accomplishments or that I haven't earned my accomplishments. My successes in the Fortune 500, my promotions and successes in higher education, earning my PhD, it's not about what I deserve or have or haven't earned. It's just acknowledging a level of privilege that I have that others don't. That my path, although difficult and challenging, may have fewer barriers than others on that same path. And on a smaller scale, I can give an example of male privilege. I've asked this question in presentation to groups of men and women, and the outcome is almost always the same. I'll ask the group to raise their hand if they have ever walked through a parking lot to their car with their keys between their fingers to use as a weapon in case they are attacked. Every single woman will raise their hand, and almost none of the men ever do. Because even here in the United States, men, for the most part, are not taught or conditioned to fear walking alone in public spaces. I think we can all agree that men have not, quote unquote, earned a right more than women to feel safe when they walk alone. It is just the reality of being a woman. And so acknowledging these privileges and these differences isn't about taking anything away from what anyone has earned. It's about recognizing that there are differences that can result in disadvantage based on gender and that the research confirms this is true in the workplace. 
I talk about the many biases and barriers that exist for women every episode. And a big part of the goal of this podcast is for us to acknowledge and see these inequities so that we can interrupt them. And researchers Burke and Major assert in their book, Gender in Organizations, Are Men Allies or Adversaries to Women's Career Advancement, that male privilege exists in the workplace with special provisions, assurances, and roadmaps to success existing for men who nonetheless cling to beliefs of a meritocracy in terms of professional advancement. And again, this isn't about saying men haven't earned their success. It's about differences that create a more difficult path for women's advancement. It's things like the ability to look around senior management and see a plentitude of other men. The data show this is just not the case for women who often see tokenism rather than equal representation of women in those top leadership roles of power, pay, and prestige. It's acknowledging the research that shows women must consistently work harder to prove themselves more so than their male counterparts, that there is a data-driven, prove-it-again barrier which exists, showing that women must prove their competence over and over while men are often acknowledged for not only their previous contributions, but also for their potential. It's about acknowledging research that shows that women's mistakes are seen and amplified and remembered longer and are more likely to be attributed to lack of competence. Where men's mistakes can go unnoticed, don't often have as large of a negative effect, are quickly forgotten, and are often attributed to bad market conditions. And all of this and more result in inequities in the recruitment, selection, compensation, and promotion of women. And that is what makes the amplification from that engineering student so powerful, so meaningful, the recognition of the additional and unique challenges that exist for women. To acknowledge is to be willing to see, to have eyes wide open, and those eyes wide open prompts action. And there is solid research, and many men agree upon the fact that your odds of being hired for a job when competing against female applicants are likely skewed in your favor. And you may not feel that way, but the research data shows that women are, on average, 30% less likely to be called for a job interview than men with the same characteristics and qualifications. And then there are things like the unlikeliness that your coworkers as a man will think that the only reason you got the job is because you're a man, or that if you fail or fall in some aspect of your career, it won't be seen as a mark against your entire sex's capabilities. Nobody's going to say, do you really think men can do it because a man made a mistake? The odds of men encountering sexual harassment on the job are very, very low. And if we can acknowledge these things, acknowledge that it is not necessarily a level playing field, if we can stop ignoring the research or explaining away the data, this acknowledgement can lead to amplification of the problem. And that is what is necessary to foster meaningful, effective allyship. It's a shift from fix the women, messaging for women to lean in, get a mentor or sponsor, attend leadership workshops. It's a focus towards allyship and the importance of engaging men in efforts for gender inclusion and gender equity. A Harvard Business Review study found that when men are deliberately engaged in gender inclusion programs, 96% of organizations see progress, compared to only 30% of organizations where men are not engaged. The study authors note that, quote, 
Too many organizations still miss the mark on gender equity efforts by focusing gender initiatives solely on changing women, from the way they network to the way they lead. Individualistic approaches to solving gender inequities overlook systemic structural causes and reinforce the perception that these are women's issues, effectively telling men that they don't need to be involved. Without the avid support of men, often the most powerful stakeholders in most large corporations, significant progress towards ending gender disparities is unlikely, end quote. And that's such an important perspective. It is important to recognize, too, that allyship can take many forms. But listening, acknowledging, respecting, and then actively supporting are important aspects of allyship and helping create that inclusive level playing field. So this conversation is about making the shift from being a philosophical ally to an ally who acknowledges, amplifies, and advocates. Public action matters because first, it can start to change the culture. But second, it sends a signal to women that they have allies they can count on. And this is so important because the research shows an allyship gap. In a recent workforce study asking study participants if they were doing everything they can to advance gender equality in the workplace, 77% of men said they were, while only 41% of women said that men are. And so this is a shift from what you believe to what your philosophies are, to what you acknowledge and amplify, and to your actions. What are the actions that support the allyship? Diversity consultant Jennifer Brown frames allyship on a continuum, ranging from apathetic, those who are clueless and disinterested regarding gender issues, to aware, those who have some grasp of the issues but not at all active or engaged in addressing them, to active, those who are well-informed and willing to engage in gender equity efforts but only when asked, to advocate those who routinely and proactively champion gender inclusion. And all of these types of allies are important, except the apathetic and disinterested, of course. But those who are aware, active, and willing to advocate all play an important role in gender equity. So here's what allies can do. Above all, pay attention. Look for the bias. Become aware of it. Listen with sincerity, without interrupting, and with the goal of understanding the experience of women in the workforce, the experience they are having and that they are expressing. Don't be defensive or even defending. Don't take it personally and don't make it about you. Let it be about women's experience with inequity and the unique challenges and biases that women feel. Even if you are personally getting it right, try not to be defensive in response to a woman feeling the organization overall is getting it wrong. It's not about your efforts not being valued. It's about a larger, bigger picture problem. Importantly, consider big or even small ways You can take action as an ally, ways you can openly support women and amplify the inequities when you see them, like the examples I've given here, a willingness to admit inequity and call it out when you see it. And you have to pay attention for this to happen because gender bias today is sneakier than it has been in the past. It's more subtle, more microaggressive, but no less damaging to women's advancement. As Johnson and Smith note in their 2021 Harvard Business Review article, male allyship is about paying attention. Situational awareness is a key element of what they refer to as male gender intelligence or GQ. 
Look for patterns and you will begin to notice workplace behaviors and dynamics that maybe you haven't seen or noticed before. Be attuned to biased comments or language, language that feeds stereotypical biases. See what's happening in the room. Pay attention. What's going on with the power dynamics? Who is in the room? Are there some onlys or almost onlys in the room? Are they participating? Who is participating? Who's interrupting? And who's getting their message across? Who's having impact? Because we know that a face in the room is not always the same as a voice in the room. And GQ, or gender intelligence, is about developing a more acute awareness of, becoming more attuned to gender inequities so you can address them in real time. Get into the habit of crediting women publicly. Name the colleague who positively impacted a project or came up with an idea and correct people if they misattribute an idea. This is that amplification. Mention and tout talented women in front of senior leadership, because even though you as an ally may see their value, research shows women aren't always or even often on senior leadership's radar. And engage in supportive partnerships with women. Seek them out. Authors Johnson and Smith noted in that Harvard Business Review article that the best cross-gender ally relationships are reciprocal and mutually growth-enhancing. Share your social capital, influence, information, knowledge, and organizational resources, and partner with women. And there's one more thing. And this one is a little bit touchy, and it's a big ask, but it needs to be said. We need more transparency. The more openly we share things like pay information, the more the pay gap and gender inequities are highlighted. We have to make it challenging for organizations to pay and promote women less. These are all ways that allies can take action, meaningful action. So in summary, my manifest statement or key takeaway this episode is this. Allyship is a critical part of gender equity. Remember the three A's of allyship, awareness, amplification, and action. Those in positions of power and influence can be allies. Male allies especially are in a powerful position to make change and have an impact. As Dr. Maya Angelou says, quote, do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better, end quote. So let's do better. Be aware, amplify, and take action. For more resources, you can visit my website, www.advancingwomenpodcast.com and connect on Instagram at Advancing Women Podcast. I love getting your feedback. So please email me at drdsimone at advancingwomenpodcast.com. I just want to thank Joe Jacobs, the audio warrior who wrote the music for this podcast, and a huge thanks to Heather Harris, the creative warrior who designed the Advancing Women podcast logo, and thanks to all of you for joining me here today.